This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. You're on Reality Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. And we've got, well, I talk about favorites, but this is one of my favorites. Um, you can email me at inbox at realitycheck.radio, see the text 2057. And we have the very wonderful Ro Edge. Good morning, Ro. Good morning, Rodney. How are you? So good to be talking to you. And I love your tweets. I don't tweet myself. I suppose we call it posting now because we're on X. And um, but I I follow you and I you've got no idea how much you keep me informed of things that are happening because you link to things and all the rest of it. And so thank you for your tweets because you're sending them out there. I never reply. And um, I think I love Elon Musk's tweets and I love yours. And then I follow a whole lot of other people too, but yours have somehow, you've got a great skill at it. Oh gosh, thank you. (laughs) It may be because you and I think the same and the stuff that you link to is always of interest to me. So thank you for that. Now, You've been off to the United States to the International Women's Sports Summit. Was that what, what it was called? It was indeed in Denver. And and Denver. It was amazing. I'm going to come to that in Denver, Colorado, but I've got to play <clears throat> devil's advocate with you because I get pushback on this transgender thing. And I regard this transgender thing as a bigger threat to us than climate change and a bigger threat to us than COVID, which both are enormous and civilization changing. But nothing to me cuts as deep as what is happening in the transgender or gender ideology is what I'd call it. And I detect as I move around, and I speak even to listeners, they're totally unaware of what is happening. And even parents at our local school appear totally unaware of what is happening. And so I want to challenge you a little on it for you to explain to us why what is happening is so significant. Now, here's a here's a devil's advocate point. Look, transgenderism it's one or two people, you know, they're people too. And we just got to respect them as people and treat them with kindness, right? And here you are, meaning me or you, um, hating on them. What do you say to that? Well, there was a really interesting um, presentation at the summit, actually. Like, I, you think that you know a lot about this fight because you've been in it for years and years, but there was a couple of presentations that really, really chilled me to my bones at this at this summit. One of them was by um, a psychologist called Suzanne Verling. Now, she talked about the colonization and, co- and com- God, can I get the word out? Com- anyway, com- commodification of women. That's the word, thank you. It's too early on a Monday morning of women and and what she calls the fourth industrial revolution. And it's about how we're turning women into a currency. And you think about it, like eggs and surrogacy, you know, the New Zealand government wants to pass laws to make surrogacy easier. And in California, they're actually making it law in health policies that health insurers have to provide surrogacy to gay men 
as a given. Like, so they're using women's bodies as a commodity. You look at the rise of prostitution and sex trafficking around the world, the gender reassignment in industry, like, you know, they're they're playing with our young girls' bodies for money. You know, it's it's just it's sick. But um, yeah, so she did this really, really interesting um presentation on it. And she talked about how gender ideology is basically it's capturing our wives, our mothers, our daughters, like it's capturing everybody. And even for men, it's basically making like a mockery of men as well, because it's saying men can be women and just, yeah, it's like a colonization on human bodies. And, but, but women and girls are particularly impacted by it. And it's not just small anymore. You look at the indoctrination that's happening in our schools, even like, you know, in our kindies and, and stuff, that the gender ideology is everywhere. We're teaching kids that they can be, their bodies can be changed and can be commodified into anything that they desire when it's not a reality and it's actually destroying their bodies and their futures. It's huge. I think it's one of the biggest problems that we've got. It's I concur, but I'm playing devil's advocate. There's only a few dozen trans people in New Zealand in reality. Um, This is a a bit of a fad. Um, Why can't you just allow for some diversity? Like, And what are you going to do to that little girl that feels she's a boy? But this isn't about diversity. The whole trans trans ideology is actually reinforcing the really old type stereotypes that we all escaped from in the 80s and 90s. It's basically saying if you're a young boy and you're a bit feminine and you like pink, then you must be a girl. And so we're going to transition you to be a to be a to be a girl, so you fit that stereotype. Whereas we should be saying boys can be whoever they want to be across the spectrum. It doesn't matter how feminine they want to be. They can wear dresses if they want. They can, you know, do whatever they want, but they're still males and they don't have to change their body to be who they've got to be. Now we're telling kids that they have to actually medically and surgically change their bodies to be something that they're not to fit, so they don't fit a stereotype. It's yeah, I don't know. It's it's just mad. Well, it's mad and hard to understand, right? And I'm with you totally because this is about the elimination of men and women. The dehumanization of society. Yes. And I have always been a live and let live person. But I realize with this, the movement isn't about live and let live. The movement is about attack on each and every one of us by these activists because we are the ones not allowed to exist. I have no problem with a trans person living and enjoying a great life. None whatsoever. But I have to be able to live. I have to be able to talk. I have to be able to have a view and express my view. And I resolutely demand that my girls, my wife, and my mother 
are treated with respect and that their privacy is sacrosanct. And what has happened is in the interests of something that has been destroyed and people regard it as just a natural extension of homosexual law reform where we say, look, it appears people are gay. They choose to be gay. We're not going to lock them up any longer because, quote, they can't help it, is the sort of thought that was said at the time. And they don't hurt anyone. And you say, well, the next thing then is, as part of this live and let live, is to say over here there are people who are trans. Now, what I find interesting about that is this queer theory or gender ideology is totally opposed to homosexual rights, mm. isn't it? Well, it actually is. It's the biggest conversion theory and therapy for homosexuals we've ever seen. Way yes, worse than anything that ever happened earlier on. Yes, if I'm a young boy who's attracted to boys, you know, as I head into puberty, um, they the trans activists, and I mean this genuinely, literally the school teachers, and what our children are being taught in school is that that young boy isn't homosexual. He's actually a girl. Right? And homosexuality is being erased. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they find a lot of the detransitioners when they um, survey them. So detransitioners for people that aren't aware of people that have gone through like basically um, converting or transitioning to the, I'll put other sex and no commas there. Um, and then they decide we'll grow up and work out that that was completely wrong. And they were actually, you know, happy being female or male. That's who they should have always been. And like by far the majority of them are, a gay and lesbian. So it is, it's a, it's a massive big conversion therapy. So, it, I mean, it's wrong and it's bad on so many levels. There are some people that have always felt that they were born in the wrong body, especially um, it used to be predominantly older men. Um, the, there is a term for the majority of them, autogynephilia. It's older males who get off on dressing up as women and being, being in women's places and spaces. So, and I think that's probably that predominantly a large number of the older men that we see identifying as trans these days, the ones that ah. are really barging and pushing their ways into female spaces because they need to be validated with that identity as well. And it's violent because it's sort of hooked into their sexual urges. Well, it is. It's part of their sexual fetish. Gee whiz. Um, I think it's hard to appreciate too how pervasive this is in our schools. Yeah, I mean, I don't have children at school now. I'm so I am so grateful my children escaped school <laughs> before all of this ideology came in, 
literally by a matter of years. So, but, you know, for those that do, it is having a profound effect. You know, it's amazing how many people I hear say that their, their nieces or nephews or daughters or grandchildren are being impacted by this. Yeah, my 10-year-old and 12-year-old think I'm a transphobe and um, and then have a giggle. Um, and they, well, the 10-year-old doesn't. The 12-year-old has, quote, gay friends and trans friends at her school. They're her age, 12. Now, everyone listening knows that's poppycock and mm. find it very hard to believe. But trust me, um, just like we used to, have kids wearing pink hair or in my day, Beatlemania, and you'd you would wear a Beatles haircut and try and get away with having hair on the top of your ears. And now it's cool to be trans. And in fact, being just everyday gay doesn't quite cut it. Um and it's discussed in the classroom somewhat excessively. It's also been a tool to sexualize young children because they've introduced it to young kids who are prepubescent and they have discussed this in the classroom again with my kids and awoken them to matters sexual when they're actually innocent young girls. And again, I don't, I find that very dark. And I know the school teachers, and they're very lovely, but I look at the curriculum, and that's exactly what it's proposing. Um, yeah, I think it's very important that parents know what their children are being taught in this regard, and that they discuss with their schools what they are happy and not happy about their children being exposed to. Parents have to push back on this. It's it's the only way it's going to stop. And I think we, you know, the election gives a really good opportunity for people to do that, to put pressure mm. on political parties. And, I, and I, look, I've been out of the loop a bit because I was over in the States last week, but haven't, um, did Nicola Willis come out with something on the... Not that, not that I noticed because I'd only notice if you had tweeted it, but... Um, <laughs> I'd say I was, off to, I was yeah, very quiet uh, uh, while I was uh, away. There was too many amazing people to talk I to. Know, we're going to come to that. time on social media. It's interesting. I, it's interesting about the pushback because I haven't done anything great and there may be other parents at our local school, the Arrowtown Primary School, but there was no Pride Week this year, whereas last oh, year oh. it was huge. Yeah. It, Last year, my daughter got visited by Inside Out, which for listeners, uh, they should know, this is an extreme fringe group funded by the government to um, support trans people ostensibly in school and to work for inclusion and kindness. And they had two hours with my daughter's class and they discussed being trans right? She was 11 and had two hours of this from teenage they-thems. With, who, are also, who are also telling them that puberty blockers are safe, effective, yes. fully reversible, which yes. is a lie. Even our Ministry of Health have finally removed that statement from their website and they're now looking into, like doing some research about whether they should even continue where other countries have pulled them and only using them for clinical trials. So, yeah, but we have these 22-year-olds with no expertise in children who don't give a 
flying crap about your kids who are going in there and feeding them absolute lies. Yeah, I was mortified about this because for my next daughter, who's more innocent and younger, my oldest daughter can handle it as a laugh, right? But my younger daughter takes everything very, you know, if some adult's telling her something, it's true. But the school assured me, because uh, I wrote to them, that there'll be no gender ideology uh, this year and no inside-out visiting. Inside-out, of course, have also dropped all the books um, at our local library, which is chock-a-block full with sexual books for six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds. Mm-hmm. I can't let my kids go to the library and just browse the books. I've got to hover over them. And when I say hover over them, these aren't innocent books. These are books that are the whole nine yards um, of explanatory, um, well, I'd call them perversions. Mm. Um, And your kids, you think they're at the library looking at some cute colored books and inside out have been there and deposited um, these books. It's very, very radical. And it seems to me, that the movement is to destroy our ability to think, to think in terms of categories, to think in terms of logic, to think in terms of difference, to destroy the family, to destroy our ability to raise children that are healthy, and that to give ourselves over, I'm going to sound like Patricia Bartlett, her older members will remember, but um, I so admired her for her courage in the old days to give over to perversions and uh, licentiousness. It's like some collapse of the Roman Empire, this 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 no rules approach. But when it comes to women, um, I don't like Andrew Tate. And he's got a lot of followers. And his message to young men, and he's very persuasive, he's hypnotic. His message to young men is to use them, not respect them. Mm. Now, this is where it's heading, right? It's, And this is why what you're doing is so important. Because as it stands at the moment, Boys and men can gain ready access to every female private space in New Zealand. And I mean toilets, changing rooms, sports, hospital wards, prisons. You can probably think of a few more. Rape crisis. Rape crisis. Women's uh, refuge. Yeah. Women's refuge. Yeah. Simply by declaring themselves woman. They can have a full beard and hairy legs and big muscles, and they can go to rape crisis and be supported, be a support person. And if they kick up, they'll be straight before the human rights and they will lose. Mm. Now, this is a magnet for not, men who think they're women, this is a magnet for men who have a violent disregard for women and a sexual uh, fetish, like you say, 
for being in a woman's space? We've right. basically we've basically got government policy that promotes voyeurism and being a pervert, you know, for yes. those that want to, because women can't say no. And we've had instances of it where women have complained about men sitting in their changing rooms and just staring, not doing anything else. And when they complain, they're told that they identify as a woman, just be kind and more tolerant. So we are gaslighting women. We are telling women that their boundaries don't matter, that they have to basically, that their feelings don't matter, that they have to play second fiddle to to males. It basically is like there was a presentation at the, the summit by a Dr. Dina McMillan who works in Australia and she works with domestic violence victims. And she's done a whole lot of research with both the, the perpetrators and the victims. And she sees what we're, what we're telling young women now in terms of having to ignore all of their boundaries, be quiet, not say a thing. If they do say a thing, that they're the ones that are wrong. You know, they're the ones that are being mean and cruel. We are doing what domestic violence abusers do to their victims. It's that psychological warfare on women that is just happening across the board. It's so very, very deep, and you, you, you've got it now. Why I feel it's so important, and the word gaslighting captures it perfectly because you're a young woman in the changing room, and there's a man sitting there looking at you, aroused. Mm. You are horrified and mortified and scared to the depth of your very being. You go to the counter and say, look, there's a man in there in the woman's changing area staring at me. And they say, you are the problem. Yeah, not only that, you are the problem. And if you speak up about this, I'm going to make your life living hell. There will be consequences for your life. That's what they say. So we had a group of athletes that um, either competed against Leah Thomas, the swimmer that swam in the NCAA champs, all were in Leah's team. And they talked about, like, the the there was two girls there from her team, and they talked about how they that they were basically told by their athletic department before Leah transitioned over into the female team that this was happening. There was to be no debate. They were not to talk to anyone about it. They were not to post anything about it on social media. They were not to um, discuss it with any media outlets. If they did, their career prospects would be destroyed. Let's go to the conference. Um, I just sort of wanted to explore it a little bit because it's almost, I feel when I get into a deep conversation with anyone, I get onto this and I can feel that I'm too intense about it and I upset them because I see it as so dangerous and I see the trans activist as winning. And it's just mortifying to me. And it's like we're walking over this cliff without realizing that we're halfway over. No, no, people can't even see the cliff. Now tell me about the conference. It was called the International Women's Sports Summit. What was its purpose? Um, basically, it was to get together athletes and global experts from around the world to discuss this issue, to talk about all the different components of what was making it up and to try and work together to find solutions to try and educate, to bring other sports in as well, to try and educate them on what was going on. 
it was, yeah, it was just bloody brilliant, to be honest. And um, it's just amazing people. What I loved most about it, Rodney, there was a few things, there was lots of things I loved most about it and incredible people, obviously, but there were people from across the political spectrum, like we had far leftist, like radical feminists, conservatives, you name it. Everybody, there was people from across the political spectrum there, but we are all working together on this common cause. And we don't see that very often anymore. You know, everything's so tribal politically that it was just, God, it was nice. It was just so, so good to have. It's an interesting point. It's an interesting point you make because COVID, free speech, and gender ideology are creating a whole new political block that defies any tribal left or right, national labor, Republican versus Democrat. And I saw a, a Derek, a Professor Derek, his last name escapes me last night, I got sent. And he was speaking out against gender ideology in the same way that you or I would, except, you know, for my money, he was a lot more fluent than I could be. But he was a deep green, right? mm. radical deindustrializing green. And he was saying this is a threat to mankind or humankind, to the world. Now, you're seeing these these blocks emerge and not necessarily being picked up by what I'd call mainstream politics or mainstream media. You know, I mean, we've just seen the reversal of Keir Starmer, who is the um, Labour leader over in the UK, his reversal on, you know, women are anyone who identifies one, to now saying that women are adult human females and our sex-based rights need protected. He's read the polls, right? You know, I don't I don't believe that he's he ever, he ever has done anything more than say what he thinks are going to get him votes, but... The tide has turned in the UK and, you know, we're seeing that with their sports policies. Now we're seeing that with politicians starting to turn the corner. We're seeing that with um, the gender stuff being taught in schools, their their gender clinics, everything is starting to turn around and hopefully they're going to be able to pull this back before they've gone too far. My concern is in New Zealand, unless enough of us start speaking up and we can't just leave it to the few, right? We know by far the majority of Kiwis agree with us, males, females, across the political spectrum. We know that they agree with us, but if they remain silent, they are part of the problem. The only way we're going to fix this is by everybody starting to get vocal and saying, no, we are not going to let this ideology destroy our kids, destroy our families, destroy our societies. We have got to claw it back. Because it's not just about sport, is it? Oh no, sport is sport is the conduit to connecting people to what the issue is because it's very blatant and people really hate unfairness, right? Mm. And and people like sport. They like watching sport. It's entertainment. And when you undermine the integrity of that, then you take away that for them. So mm. it's but sport is just one part of a whole bigger problem. I mean, I, I'm much more concerned for our females in prison who are getting raped constantly oh, by men God. who identify in there than I am for our female athletes, but I'm still hugely concerned for our female athletes but yeah it's yeah it's can just you fun. imagine you're locked up and we know this has happened in England and Scotland oh, it's right lo- in California at the moment it's you're locked up in a right. woman's prison with a male rapist or a rapist you know your rapist is male who's identified as a woman and is locked up with you yeah, we're told one one um, the story of one lady whose rapist and who who was sharing a cell with her, put you know when he had his hand over her mouth, said it would be much easier if you were just quiet. 
And yeah, but they're out of sight, right? Out of sight, out of mind. And so that's why, you know, sports, sports isn't. Sports is in your face, right? Sports mm. is everybody's kids play sport. Well, most kids play sport. You know, a lot of adults play sport. Many adults love watching sport. It's a way that we can connect this issue with the public. But mm. it's still really important. You know, we want our young girls to be able to, you know, compete and achieve at the highest level in sport because what sport does for you physically and mentally is so important. Mm. You, know, you look at our um, the most successful women in the world, like in business or wherever, many of them have been elite sportswomen. Yes. Gives you that much confidence, that much yeah resilience to be mm. able to deal with issues. I saw on the... Uh, speaking was, and you mentioned to her, Riley Gaines. Uh, what was, yeah. sorry, Riley Gaines? Gaines, oh, good, great, yeah, Riley Gaines. She's a remarkable woman, a remarkable athlete, remarkably brave woman, speaking up for us all, and very articulate. What was her message to the summit? Just that we have to change this, that women are getting gaslit, that we're being told that our feelings don't matter, our fairness doesn't matter, and we have to change that. Share her story with us. So Riley was, she wasn't at Penn State University where Leah Thomas was, but Riley came up against Leah in the NCAA finals race that she was in and ended up finishing. Who's Leah Thomas? Leah Thomas was Will Thomas, who transitioned into female um, swimming at Penn State University in his senior year. And so the girls all knew that when it came up to NCAA finals, they'd all heard that Leah Thomas was going to be competing. There was a lot of discomfort in the changing NCAA? Oh, so NCAA sport is like the college sports over in the US. It's like the best quality sport that you can see really in the US, apart from like the super professional stuff. It's where a lot of Kiwi kids actually go to further their sporting careers. My daughter went over there on a scholarship. Many, I think 53% of our FIFA World Women's World Cup team went to college in the US. 83% of our New Zealand women's basketball team have been through college, the college system in the US and played NCAA sport. It's a really professional level of sport. And Will Thomas, which is a funny name if you think about it, um, given what we're discussing, Will Thomas was a boy swimmer, a male swimmer, and mediocre male swimmer. I shouldn't say that because he, could oh, he was, me. yeah, but he wasn't like, an yeah, but he was a mediocre male swimmer in the NCAA, yeah. And he yeah. decided he was a woman, you said, in his senior year, is that high school? No, we're college, so they still have, um, gosh, I don't know if I'll get this right, but um, the junior, sophomore, senior. like they So just, how old would he have been when he transitioned? Oh, so roughly. 22, 23. No, creeper. So he's 22, 23, swimming away. Yeah, six foot four. Six foot four. Not, shall we say, effeminate, right? <laughs> Huge. Six foot four male, 22, 23 year old, not making it in college swimming. Well, he isn't. He has got, a, you know, he swims for Penn State University in the male team. So, but he's not excelling. He's just mediocre in that NCAA level. Okay. So then tell me the story. What happened? 
Oh, so he transitioned into the female category. So how did he transition into the female category? He went to his sports department, obviously said that I identify as a female and I want to be included. And so they rolled over backwards to include him and gaslight any woman that didn't like it. <laughs> but why? Everyone in the States is so scared of litigation. You know, it's such a litigating place. You know, we've seen in um, disc golf over there. So that's quite a big sport in the States, yes. disc golf. And there's a male who's identified into the female category and disc golf decided that it was just getting ridiculous. He was winning too much. They thought we, they decided they needed to protect the female category. They did that. He took them to court. The judge sided in Minnesota, this Minnesota court judge sided with this male and basically told disc golf that they could not hold their competitions if they did not let him compete. So the judge is even deciding that women don't deserve fair competition. And so what disc golf like have done is they have actually pulled women's competitions from that state or they're looking at it or reducing them so that there's less incidents of men taking female opportunities, but actually he's just stolen them already because they're gone. So Leah, Will Thomas decides to call himself Leah Thomas. He tells, he's 22, he's six foot four. He's on the male team at university, so he's no slug swimmer. And they roll over. Presumably he has to take some hormone shots or something to so, get his testosterone yeah. down. So I think they had a rule that he had to get his testosterone down to 10 nanomoles per milliliter. But the problem with these rules, Rodney, is that no one ever checks it. No one. So there's no testing going on. Anymore. So then I am Riley Gaines. My love of my life is my swimming. I have got up every morning since I was probably eight or nine or ten years old and swum and trained. I have come home from school and I've gone swimming. It is my life. It is my ambition to be the world number one swimmer and go to the Olympics. I'm such an amazing athlete that I get a scholarship to go to Penn State University. Oh, no, she, Riley didn't. She went to, gosh, I can't remember which one oh, she sorry. went to. She wasn't. She, so Riley had to race against Leah. Paula Scanlon and she was another girl as well. Kylie Allons, who they spoke at the um, the summit, they were actually in Leah's team. Okay, I got it. So I spend all my life for this moment, and a six foot four man takes maybe some shots, calls himself. Leah, and I'm done. He's yeah. So Leah was still attracted to women, still fully intact. Getting changed, the girls were all told that Leah would be using their changing rooms. It takes like I don't know if anyone knows much about professional swimming suits, right? But when you warm up, you have a suit because you don't want to use your really good one because they don't last that long. But when you get into your racing suit, it can take girls up to forty minutes. In that time, they are pretty much naked, trying to jiggle themselves into their costume. Like it's there is no privacy there whatsoever. And they've been told that the six foot fully intact male who's still attracted to females 
is allowed to be in their space with them while they're doing that. And if they have any concerns about that, they're being bigoted. They just need to be quiet and not say anything. To the point where one of his teammates used to get changed in the janitor's cupboard in a dark little janitor's cupboard with like buckets and crap everywhere because she was so frightened of him in her space. But then Leah turns up to the NCAA finals, wins a final. There's not much happiness about um, him winning one of those finals. Gets into the final with Riley Gaines. And he, when you look at his split times, he slows himself down because he realizes that if he wins another one, it's not a good look. So he draws with Riley Gaines. When they get on the podium, guess who gets the, the medal? No way. They gave it to Leah Thomas. They told Riley they would post one out to her. But for, for the purposes of today, Leah was the one that was going to be photographed and given the medals. The medal. Yeah. And then Penn State University had the audacity to nominate Leah Thomas for NCAA Female Sportswoman of the Year. Just a really sucker punch it to the female athletes. It's humiliation upon humiliation upon humiliation. Yeah. I had no idea about the 40-minute swimsuits. Yeah, the racing suits, they are really, I mean, you want them to help you go fast, right? Yes, so they I guess. are super tight, fishing, like, yeah, they are it's like pulling on hard. a wetsuit that's yeah. tight. Yeah. And, and so you can't just sort of hop you around the court. You can't hide behind anything or put a towel around you while you're getting changed. That You need both hands to be helping you you know, maneuver yourself into it, jumping around, you know, like it's so how how business I just can't. It's like COVID, it's like climate change, it's like everything, free speech. I can't understand how the entire Penn State University administration, sports administrators, college sports, media, politicians, what has gotten into them? Yeah to think fear, in fear any got, way, shape, or form that that is acceptable. Yeah, so fear has got into them, right? And, what are and they it scared started, of? It all started with, I believe, the manipulation of language. And like when I, I did a presentation at the summit on basically why language is important and why we've got to take it back. And I started with a quote from Goebbels, you know, Joseph Goebbels, who was in the Nazi German government said, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. And there is actually research that shows that it doesn't actually matter whether the lie is true or false. It's all about the repetition. And this is what we're doing with kids now. We're indoctrinating them with all of these lies. And so they believe it. But then when you ever see them challenged and ask questions about the lie that they've been told, they have no argument for it because there's no basis for it in reality. It's just a big fat lie. But they honestly believe it. And we either have these sporting leaders and academic leaders believing it or pretending to believe it because the fear of not believing it is too great. And that fear of not believing it being too great is only there because enough people are not speaking up. When we get enough pushback, I firmly believe that will change. It's the destruction of women and women's sport. It's also the destruction of men. It is. Because any man who's a man would go to the end of the earth to protect Riley Gates and her, for want of a 
I'm using a lot of old-fashioned terms because that's how I feel. Her modesty. Mm. There's no way. There's no way that any self-respecting man or boy would allow a young woman, any woman, to be so traduced. And yet here they are. And then they're speaking to her and telling her to suck it up and smile for the camera. Yeah. It is evil beyond evil, and it's being repeated in New Zealand sports and New Zealand schools up and down the country as we speak. True? Yep, as I understand, yep. No, I know. I know it's happening in my school. Mm-hmm. Tell me, what were the great, what was the great takeouts for you in this, what you learned? Not, not that you're inspired and you're up for the fight and all oh, the God, I had of so many takeouts. God, I've got a massive list I'm working on. One of them was what not. What did you learn? Yeah, what I learned was that we cannot give away our language anymore. You know, I'm going to talk when I talk about language now and I talk about the whole trans thing, I'm going to call males males. I don't care how they identify, I'm going to call them males. Where we've gone wrong before is we tried to be too kind and we thought, you know, we wanted to have a, a good debate and try to reach a consensus. And so we thought we were kind by saying, calling men who identify as women, we were calling them trans women. We can't, that if we call them trans, if you say trans women shouldn't play women's sport, then you have a problem because you're saying that they're women. Why can't women play women's sport? But if you say males can't play women's sport, well, it's bloody obvious they shouldn't be able to play it, right? Mm. But we've, we have been guilty and added to this problem by using their language. So the biggest thing I took out, one of the biggest things was we need to capture our language back. And I'm no longer going to sanitize my press releases for the media to try and get them to print them because they don't anyway. So I'm just going to keep sending them out, calling males, males. And even if they never get printed, the journalists will see them and they will know that I'm right. And every time they don't print them, I'm sure they'll feel guilty. It will get through. So that was one of the big things. That The other is that we've got to stop, like I'm, I'm reassessing our name, actually. I know this sounds silly, but save women's sport. I don't want to be a victim. I don't want women to be victims. Like we need to take back the power and the fight and go on the offensive and not be defensive. So whether we need a different name, if anyone out there has a great empowering name that, you know, empowers women in sport, but also empowers, empowers people that we can rebrand ourselves to. I haven't even talked to this to my team about this. We've got a meeting in the next couple of days to like for me to download. Yeah, so much stuff. I had some real positives as well. So um, Triathlon New Zealand sent over a representative. Wow. Because they're reassessing their policy. And she was absolutely great. But watching the awakening as the conference, the three days went on, was just so good to see. Because, you know, I think that she'd come from, she's very liberal and she'd come from this, the, the argument, looking at both sides and thinking that they'd come to a nice consensus. After the first day, I think she was quite mind blown and she said, no, I've, I'm rewriting our policy. I'm already contacted the CEO. After the second day, she was like, you know, we're debating whether we just protect the elite category or whether we need to protect community level as well. And her CEO had said, no, I think inclusion at community level is more important. By the third day, she was like, no, we have to have 
we have to protect fairness for females at all levels. So I'm really excited to see where their policy comes because that could just be one that might start a domino effect here. Um, yeah, God, there was just, there was so much. Keep going, Network- I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, just meeting all of the people that I've been networking with online for years and years, actually being able to meet with them and have really good, strong conversations. You know, I met with Ross Tucker, who's the world rugby sports scientist, and he told me about new um, research that's coming out that will mean New Zealand rugby will not be able to ignore the increased risk of injury they're going to put on female players with the South ID policy that they've now been consulting on for, gosh, is it coming up two years now? Because they know it's wrong, right? But they're too mm. gutless to pull it back because of the activists. So hopefully this new research coming out will stop that. Yeah, God, there's so much. <laughs> Where do you think this has come from? What's driving it? Was there any discussion of that? Oh, yeah, there was. You know, it all started, we had so many good presentations, and I'd recommend anyone that wants to go and watch the presentations. They're all available online. If you just go to iconswoman.com, so it's I-C-O-N-S-woman.com, then they've got day one, day two, day three with all the speeches. And, like, I'm happy to send some recommendations through. There was There's a few that I highly recommend, like the psychological. Icons, I-C-O-N-S.com. Great. Now, I-C-O-N-S, woman. So, oh, woman. Yeah, dot, dot com. Got it. Woman, A-N-E-N. E-N. 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 Yeah. Right. Yeah. Many. Um, like, you know, sports scientists, biologists, um, yeah, physiologists. Oh, it's like, where yeah. did it come from? Icons? No. Or the summit? Oh, the problem. Gender ideology. Oh, right. Oh, well, in sport, it started with the IOC. So that's where we focused on gender ideology. Gosh, that's that's a whole nother thing. I'm I don't know. <laughs> I would be guessing. But with the sports stuff, it was definitely the IOC that started the problem off. Like, you know, I think it was 2003, they decided that men had sex change operations that they could compete in the female category. Most didn't until their late 40s, 50s, so they were never going to be elite athletes, so it never impacted sport. But in 2015, based on one flawed research study, they opened up the female category to men, basically treating women as just men with lower testosterone, which is so wrong. And that opened the gate to this flood of males in sports that we are seeing across the board in female sport now. And I think in in you know the UK, there's something something like 50 men playing female football. There's literally the number of male cyclists competing in female cycling now must be in the hundreds. It's just growing exponentially because it gives a way for mediocre males to have power over women and to succeed at something in life. Mm. It's funny this, where it comes from, because I just while you were talking, I was thinking I've had online and I've followed all of this. I had Trevor Loudon, and he explained the Marxists were big into the destruction of the family, and these Marxists and neo-Marxists were discussing it. I've had our co-host Marie Buskey on, and she's explained it as all this postmodernism and um, you know, language and victim and power. And then I had a wonderful guy called Ashley Church on, and he pointed me in the direction of a book that I've just finished called um by Jonathan Cann called The Return of the Gods, 
And it's an astonishing book because it talks about the pagan gods, and there was pagan gods who were could make you change your sex and would do so for venal reasons. And his view is that with the loss of Christianity, these pagan gods have returned. And I was never sure whether it was psychological or supernatural. And at the Stonewall protest in 1969, this god appeared that that caused this riot and affected our minds and made for a madness. And I've got these three things bubbling away there, but to me, it's sort of like this, it's a collective insanity. And I do think I th- that there's an element of truth in all of those. But yes, that's what I feel. The, going back to the religion, I think that a big problem, like I'm not religious, right? But I do believe that a big problem that we have is that as a humanity, we need something to believe in. And the less strength that the religion has had, the, you know, the less popular it's become, the more humanity has clung on to these other, like created other religions. And trans ideology is a religion. It's a religious cult. It's got it all the elements. It has. It's all the elements because you believe in it. It can't be questioned. You have to be pure. You have to drive out the heretics. You have to be violent towards them. And I mean, and it's transformative. And and there's this idealism of this ideal world. And it's got all the elements. You see it the same in environmentalism where you take a good idea, mm. which is let's care for the planet. <laughs> and you turn it into this quasi or religious religion, cult. <laughs> yeah. Religious cult. And it's the world is boiling. Yeah. And you say to yourself, look, I'm I I don't mind, you know, I understand that you could be gay and you can get on and and, and live your life. And then the next minute you're in this whole different world um where it's no longer a, a discussion. Um it's Truly extraordinary. And I've never understood why these corporations, you know, Budweiser famously here in New Zealand, we've got Spark. Um, I could never understand why Posey Parker, who had a very, very modest speech to give, uh, could attract such outrage. And that outrage would be joined by the media and our politicians. And um, the police sided with the outrage. Um it's an extraordinary achievement. And I think you're right about the language because yeah. once you accept the concept of a trans woman like a third sex, like Georgina Byer, you know, oh, yeah, I'm cool, you know, yeah, I know she grew up a boy, but now she's a woman and we'll call her a trans woman. We never called her a woman, we called her a trans woman. But as soon as you accepted the concept of a trans woman, you say, oh, dear, I never thought about this. Which toilet does she go to? Oh, which changing sheds does she go to? Oh, what sport could she play in? As soon as you accept the trans woman, you've gone away from the binary. Yeah. And and for the integrity of sport, marriage, family, child rearing, the binary is at the essence. And we've also been taught to live in a world that doesn't like black and white. That is to say a hard definition, male, female, full stop. Mm. 
Um, was there an anger at the summit? There was frustration, but no, there was. I think we did. We had an international panel on the morning of the last day, and I think everyone was quite shocked at how bad New Zealand and Australia are. You know, I, I made the analogy. I feel like we're on a race to a raising woman between like New Zealand, Australia, and Canada. And I don't know who's going to get there first, but I think actually Australia might slightly beat us, and we wow. both beat Canada. Wow. Yeah, Australia well, is quite misogynistic in terms of how little they care about women's rights. I mean, what our government done has done here has been bad enough, but in Australia they literally do not care. So the issue there is we've had Jacinda Ardern and her lot, which is shocking on all of the stuff, obviously. So you'd think we'd be the worst. But over in Australia, they're bad because the men aren't interested. Yeah, the men just don't care about women's sport. You know, Karen Perkins, who leads the Australian Institute of Sport, has just released these guidelines for elite sport now, basically saying that people can self-ID into elite sport. Some sports might want to do, you know, taking the testosterone down to 10 nanomoles per milliliter, which is... There is nothing, there's like 18 peer review studies that show that no matter how much you reduce testosterone, it does not negate male performance advantage. It, it is retained. But he's ignored all that. And he put out these new guidelines for all sports for elite and basically said that um, if any female athletes had concerns, they could come and see him. But, you know, he could guarantee that no females would be affected by this. Females are already being affected by it. Why wouldn't you talk to female athletes before you put the policy out? but he just does not care. So you, and I've detected this, detected in your tweets, you've hit me over the head with your tweets on this, <laughs> that there's a strong element, that's even too soft for what you're saying, of, I can't say the word, misogyny. Misogyny. Misogyny, yeah. i.e. men hating on women, men not supporting women, men potentially looking the other way when violence is perpetrated against women, a very deep and dark part of a bad male psyche is in the mix too. Yeah, look, my counterpart, Catherine Deves, who is in Australia, she was in um, in the... Uh, state or one of the state um, parliaments talking to a MP and she was told by one of the head bureaucrats that like when raising this issue on sport that literally a, a female athlete would have to be severely disabled or die before anyone was going to change their minds about anything. It's incomprehensible to me. Um, I found the police behaviour around I say Posse Parker because her real name is double-barreled twice. Kelly, Kelly J. Keane. Kelly J. Keane-Mintzel. Kelly yeah. J. Keane will do. Kelly J. Keane, I'd love to use her real name. Kelly J. Keane. I am so, what's the word, programmed by my upbringing and my belief in sort of Prince Charming and being a knight, that I would literally lay down my life without hesitation or risk serious injury 
to put myself between a young thug and a woman or a girl. I could not stop myself. And I have done this at times when I was younger. And I think that I, I know I would still do it and get the literally crap beaten out of me because I'm programmed to protect women. And the idea, if there were 10 men attacking a woman, I would insert myself and I wouldn't be able to help. All I'd do is get hurt, but I couldn't let it pass. It's beyond reasoning to me. And yet, we had policemen, and I use the word men, standing around, shuffling their feet, while elderly women were beaten by young men. Yeah, and I'll never look at the police in the same way again. Never. You know, that, that has had a profound effect on me. Now when I see a police car go past, rather than feeling respect for them, which I always did before that event, now I look at them and I feel sick in my stomach. But what is it about men, right? Like, what has happened to a policeman? What has happened to men? What has happened to boys? Like, you'd do anything. And again, this is why it's not just an attack on women. It's an attack on manhood. It is. Yeah. Basically, they're attacking you by saying, look what we can do to your wives, your daughters, your your mothers while you stand back and do nothing. Look what you will let us do. That is how weak and how pathetic you are. No, they are they are ridiculing men. They yeah, they're mocking you. They're mocking the ones that stand back and say and say nothing because it's it's all about the power, right? Like if we can do this to your woman and you do nothing, what can we do to you? So you're a, are you a turf? Whatever that is. Yeah. Tired of explaining reality to F-wits. Yep, definitely. Yeah. I'll, I'll take that one. <laughs> but that's, that's the phrase used against someone who thinks that men should be excluded from women's private places. You're a turf. So you forgot you forgot to add the extra bit that goes with that now, a turf far right Nazi. Okay. Don't, don't forget right that. Because <laughs> otherwise there's no excuse to bash me or you know. And the poll, the poll that you got, I mean that's a majority of us. Yeah. So Chanel Lau tweets that turfs should be banned from Threads, which was the Facebook, Twitter, which thankfully sunk beneath the sea, go Elon. He tweets that people that think like you and I and our listeners should be banned from threads. Oh, look, I wouldn't actually worry about what Chanel tweets. He's a very lonely lonely man. But he's not. I think because Spark mm. immediately tweets in support. That was the disappointment. They hadn't. They they were never asked for comment, but they felt compelled to support him to virtue signal their wokeness over social media. Yeah, 
completely well, ignoring. Then <laughs> every other one Vodafone called One New Zealand or something now, goodness knows what, two degrees, all pipe up and in unison say that they are into diversity, kindness, inclusion, all the rest of it, and yet sitting on top of those organisations are clever people at a management level and at a board level. They're a woman who allow women to be treated like Ricky Gaines would be treated. They're supporting that. Mm -hmm. They're supporting Chanel Lowell's call for violence with young thugs bashing grandmothers. There are men in Spark on the board and in the senior manager who are supporting this. They only respond when people like me, customers, say, explain yourself. And they give a weak need apology along the lines of a politician saying, oh, I might have misspoke and what I really meant was. But didn't address the issue that you're either for this or against it. You can't be sitting in the room and saying, look, I'm all for the uh, gender ideology trans activists and I'm all for women, you know, let's all get along, because actually it's mutually exclusive. You have to decide you're on one side or the other. Either men can access women's sport, women's spaces, or they can't. You can't have a bob each way on this one, can you? No, you can't. Chanel Lau, yeah, sad case, obviously. But you and I can't put a tweet out and have Spark run to our support and never back off, have the government get behind us in terms of violence against um, women, the media behind us, and have access through Inside Out to our schools. And he calls himself marginalised. He's got more power than any other man I know around New Zealand at the moment. Like, what the hell has Chanel Lau got? You know? how? Well, that's why I'm struggling to understand why men and women in a position of authority are not standing up for... I keep going back to fear. What are they scared of? They're scared of the pushback from activists. Because the activists, they, they are very, very well organized, very vocal. They know how to make a noise. And because they know that they, anyone that speaks up, they shut them down or they they do not let them speak. So like Posey Parker, Kelly J. Keane, they didn't want any woman to speak there because otherwise our voices might have been heard and they can't have that because then people might wake up to what's going on. And so their only tactic is fear to shut down any debate to silence any dissenters. And so nobody gets the confidence to speak up. And, and, and you have these corporates just kowtowing to them. But it's that the corporates are no different than any other one of us who, who remains silent on this, who doesn't say to their kids when their kids say, oh, if you say that you're being a transphobe or you're being bigoted, parents need to push back and say, no, I'm not. I'm being honest. So you, that everybody needs to find that courage within them because the 
it'll it will grow and evolve and we're seeing that in the UK the more people that have the confidence to speak out you're starting to see the narrative mm. change the tide turn you're seeing it with politicians with the media with policies so it is possible but it's only possible if we find our voices the psychological uh, manipulation is extraordinary i watched the i don't know Senate or Congress hearing of the young, is it Coco? This is the detransitioner? Yes. Yes. Um, I can't think of a name. It does start with C, though. It's just amazing. It was heartbreaking, wasn't it? Absolutely heartbreaking. Little confused going into puberty, like who isn't. Picked up on by experts and said, oh, what was she told that she should be a boy? Chloe Cole. Drugs, Chloe Cole. Drugs, yeah. mastectomy at 15. Her parents were told by the experts, what would you rather? A dead daughter or a live trans son? And that was a lie. I mean, with the parents are still being told that in New Zealand now. It's a complete lie. These kids are at no more risk of suicide than any other kid that is struggling mentally. You know, if you're if you're struggling with a mental illness, yes, it does increase your risks. And God, we want to help kids that that are. But but if not validating your child's pretend identity doesn't put them at any more risk than they already are at. But again, I struggle, and I know you don't have an answer, right, but this is driving me insane. It's like the COVID experience all over again, but much more intense. Well, this one's attacking our kids. This one is targeting our kids. How can a medical doctor, a medical profession, expert counsellors, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, tell a little confused girl that yeah you're a little bit upset what you need to do is shoot your body through through with hormones and we'll cut your breasts off and you'll be better (laughs) i mean that's insanity Mm, i remember listening to one detransitioner and she said that she woke up when she realized that they were telling her in order to be a man, she had to have her uterus removed. And she thought to herself, well, only women have a uterus. So men don't have to be have a uterus removed to be men. So I'm still not going to be a man. Like it just it finally clicked to her that what they were telling her that she should do to validate her identity was complete nonsense. Only women have uteruses. Whether you remove them or not, it's still only a thing a woman can have. Isn't that amazing that she could see that mm. when this whole um, thing is? And, of course, it's it's the blurring, as you say, of language where you can have a trans woman rather than a male and a female. And we all know that there's only male or female, and they pick on the intersex, which is, you know, probably one in zillion and is a genetic um, mutation. Um, as though that gets around the hook of the binary. And yet here it is, 
being presented in our girls' sport, our women's sports, in our prisons, in our hospitals, in our use of pronouns, everywhere you look um, and presented to my kids as fact. They can, my oldest one can see through it instantly. My, my 10-year-old doesn't even understand. She just knows there are boys and girls. She likes princesses and princesses and the old Barbie and the old Ken, right? That's where she's at. She's a 10-year-old girl, for God's sake, and they're trying to tell her that, oh, well, you want to check out because amongst this class, you know, some of you will be in the wrong sex as though that's even a thing, that you were born in the wrong sex. Oh, but the sad thing is too, Rodney, they've made it really uncool just to be straight now, right? Like, oh, yeah. Straight, like oh, that, yeah. You're not, you're not an identity. You're nothing. Oh, yeah. Straight. And yeah. We can't celebrate you if you're straight. But if you're yeah. anything else, including a furry, we'll celebrate you. <laughs> it's, well, it's and uh, my daughter's that. friend who's, quote, gay at 12, I asked her about that. I said, how do you think that works? And she said, oh, she's getting bullied and no one would help her. But once she said she was gay, couldn't she couldn't be bullied. Mm. Well, Ro, <laughs> we discussed the summit. Are you optimistic for the future? I am, actually. I am. I've got to be. Got to be optimistic. I, I think that we are seeing pushback. I think we will get there a lot quicker in New Zealand if people find their voices, but we will get there. And in terms of finding voices, like I just want to um, – do a shout out for that let, the next Let Women Speak event. So Kelly J. Keen is coming back to New Zealand because the ass that threw the tomato sauce like, and assaulted her is um, going to be in court on the 20th of September up in Auckland. And so they're doing another event. And I just want to say to people, look, we need men and women there. We need people to show in numbers that they care enough about this, what's happening to women, to actually stand up and speak out about it. It will just be there in support. So there's a website, standingforwomen.com, that they can go to. And if they look up Let Women Speak NZ Justice, it would be really good. It's a Wednesday this time. I know it's not as easy to get to, but if you can be there, I think it's going to be on the steps of the courts. I'm not sure we'll finalise that those details will be out. But So yeah, that's in Auckland? Yeah, it's in Auckland. It's like a month before Wednesday the election. 20th of September. Oh man, yeah. that's going. So, this is going so, to be the biggest event ever. Yeah. So we need, if we want to put this issue, what's happening to our, our you know, our, our mothers, our wives, our daughters, if we want to put this issue, and us, men. and the men, yeah, and men as well, if we want to get it spotlighted for the election, this is the perfect opportunity to do it. So, what's the webpage again? It's standingforwomen.com. and then if you just, they, they should have a search for Let Women Speak NZ Justice. And, there. of course, I realised, because they were trying to stop Jelly, Kelly J. Keane from coming, but she will be on a visa that she originally had that will give her a length of time. So she doesn't have to apply, presumably, for a new visa. She's automatically in on her old visa. Yeah. And um, this could, I think, her arrival in New Zealand shook New Zealand awake. It does. Yeah. This, this her coming again will be seismic. It will. So there's an events tab Politics. on the website. Just click on that on the events page and you'll see it there. But yeah, it does. It has the it be has the ability to really change the conversation. And we only get this chance once every three years. And if we don't make a noise now before the election and put this issue firmly in front of the politicians, and something we all care about, this is the perfect, 
the, the perfect opportunity to do it. So, what does Chris Hipkins do? I don't know. You've seen him backtrack on so much. I don't know. Well, I don't. I actually don't think Chris Hipkins is going to outlast. Once the election's over and he loses, he'll be booted, and someone like David Parker will come in so that they can continue yeah. their agenda. Because they sort of got it. You got to say, don't you? He's got to say to win the election or have a chance of it. He's got to say, I defend free speech 100%, and the police will be there to preserve free speech and keep public order and keep the two groups separate. And by the way, uh, a woman is an adult human female. <laughs> well, he, struggle, he struggles with that one. So. <laughs> but, but mind you, so did Keir Starmer, the, the Labour. Yeah, but the that's going to put it, that's going to put it literally front and centre of the election, the attitude to woman and free speech. Oh, my goodness, well done. Well, she's a brave woman. She's a wonderful woman. Um, How she keeps standing up against the unfairness of the legacy media's abuse of her, of the idea that somehow she's a Nazi, it's the most scurrilous, nasty, laziest, malevolent attack on a woman just wanting to speak her truth. I can't believe it. Um, I, 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 I can't believe it. And that she's still standing up and prepared to come back. That is, that is suffragette level. This is bigger. Oh, this is suffragette level. She is level. a legend. An absolute yeah. legend. Yeah. Oh, God, I admire her. Well, good for you. That's the webpage. We've been talking to Row Edge. You're on Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. I'm sorry I get exercised on this. <laughs> I, I, I'm so bewildered by it. I'm so heartbroken by it. I'm so fearful of it. I have seen it with my kids. It has driven me to distraction. I don't know how to respond to it because every time I raise it, people just think, oh, he's an old dinosaur, you know. He doesn't understand um, and doesn't know how to be inclusive. I feel as I'm an old man yelling at clouds. And it's so wonderful to have Roe Edge and Kelly J. Keane, these young women, prepared to stand up and take a heap of abuse and to show us all that we need to find our brave and stand up with them. And we have an opportunity in Auckland on the 20th of September, and that'll be history. There's no yep. doubt about that. I'd love to see as many people there as possible. That'll be history. You're on Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. You're on Reality Check Radio. Please, you can send us a text at 2057. Send us an email at inbox at realitycheck.radio. Uh, you know the webpage to go to. You can um, follow Row Edge on Twitter. I highly recommend that. Um, I love her tweets, and they keep me informed not just about uh, gender ideology, but a whole lot of things like you know free speech, climate change that I learned through her. She's like my news curator. So <laughs> I've fallen down so time. many rabbit holes, haven't I? <laughs> no. I'm with you. Anyone you want to jump in, I'll jump in right beside you. (laughs) So, Okay. Thank you, Ro. Thank you, Rodney. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. 
Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10am. <laughs>